Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater, West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Our reading today is taken from Matthew's Gospel and we're in chapter 22 and we're beginning to read at verse 34, Matthew 22 beginning at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tandy, and it's a real pleasure to be asked to talk on this passage this morning. So first for me, standing up here um, on the morning service, I have spoken in the evening service with a lot fewer people, but great that you're all here. Now, I wonder, I'm going to focus actually on just verses 34 to 40 um, as we consider what it means to love God and to love our neighbor. And I wonder if any of you fellow Instagrammers out there have discovered a guy called James B. Partridge. So he's a, he's quite a well sought after music, singing and, and piano teacher. But more recently, um, he's built a really big social media following based around nostalgic primary school assembly tunes Um, and we've got a little clip just of his top 10 and I just wonder how many of these you're familiar with and you remember thanks Nick all right this is my top 10 primary school assembly bangers who put the colors in the rainbow when I needed a neighbor were you there were you there he's got the whole world in his hands one more step along the world I go there's water Set he, this little light of mine, 
Actually, he's just started a tour, a nationwide tour. He's going along to little venues. He's coming to the Comedia in Brighton, if anyone's interested. We can just go along and have a great sing-song. Um, but in my opinion, James has left out one of my all-time top ten, a song that I fondly remember from my primary school days, and it's this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the chorus, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And if you haven't heard it enough, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Really simple words with a very simple message, but words which are really full of truth and which, for me, I think best sum up the essence of today's passage. Now, the words in this passage are probably one of the most famous in the Bible, and they take the form of commandments or instructions. And the central theme contained in these words is the theme of love. So surely they can't be too difficult to follow. After all, who can argue against expectations issued in the name of love? And the response that Jesus gives to that question can, I think, best be described as the perfect circle of love. The circle is when we know we are loved... We're both able to receive that love, to return it, and then to pass it on so that that person can do exactly the same. And prior to the exchange in this passage, in verse 15 of the chapter, we learn that the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. And we hear that Jesus isn't fooled. And he says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? So we can see that Jesus had actually been having quite a time of it. The religious leaders of the time had been trying their their hardest to trap Jesus by testing his knowledge of the law. But Jesus was less concerned with religion and the law and far more with love and compassion. And this was really controversial then and marked him out as actually being quite radical. And I wonder how far we've come as followers of Jesus Jesus the radical, whose focus was and is solely on love. Do we mirror Jesus, or are we sometimes guilty of behaving more like those Pharisees? Well, as I get older, and I appreciate this might be controversial, it seems to me that one of the most unfortunate characteristics of Christians today is that like those Pharisees, we also spend so much time talking about religious rules regulations and processes that we often forget this essence of Jesus's teaching. We can be all too concerned with who's in and who's out, who'll make it to heaven and who won't, that we forget to love. Too concerned with how many people are attending church each week and whether the kind of people we want in our church that we forget to love. Of course, as Christians, we absolutely should be concerned about sharing the good news of Jesus in order to give others the opportunity to know him and to receive the promise of eternal life. Maybe we can appear to be overly concerned with religious rules and regulations, and it's not an attractive characteristic, particularly to those who don't yet know Jesus and who may view themselves as someone who is out rather than in, or someone who really doesn't believe they will make it to heaven. And in today's scripture, we see that Jesus was surrounded by exactly the same kind of religiosity. And finally, in an attempt to really pin Jesus down, one of the Pharisees asks, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if I were asked that question, I think I'd need a moment to think about it. But you'll notice that there's no hesitation in Jesus' response. 
The Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus thought about this for a while or he went away to pray or that he even threw the question back to the Pharisee and asked him what he thought. No, Jesus, who may well have been relieved that finally after an afternoon of tedious religious debate, someone had finally asked a question with some substance to it, answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Jesus' response will have totally baffled the Pharisees. The question they asked referred to the law, but the answer they received focused totally on love. And then just to really hammer home the point, Jesus goes on to say that all the law and all the prophets hang solely on love. That certainly wasn't the answer they expected. But there we have the answer, loud and clear, very clear. Love God and love others. If we look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are clearly about how to love God and the remaining six are about how to love your neighbor. The commandments are therefore about relationship rather than rules. And I think the first thing we need to consider to understand is that love in this context is not purely an emotion. Well, there are, of course, very strong emotions connected with loving. We say, don't we, I love you with all my heart and with all my soul. I don't think I've ever heard people say, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul and all my mind, but I love you with all my heart and my soul is very common. But at its core, love is far more than just an emotion. It's a choice, a bit like Carl was saying earlier about decisions. Maybe that's the mind bit. After all, if love were based solely on emotions, what would happen when we find ourselves in disagreement with or angry with, for example, our partners or our children, those whom we've promised to love and those whom we keep saying we do love? If love were primarily an emotion, there would be no dependability whatsoever to our relationships. The way we treat each other, if it were affected by our mood at any given moment, would go up and down like the tide. And those toddler tantrums in the supermarket spring to mind. You really do have to choose choose to love your children in those moments. But it can be hard to love someone if you don't feel loved yourself or if you don't feel worthy of someone's love. And it's no different when we consider loving God. In order to choose to love God, we have to know first that he loves us. And that is that first step in that perfect circle of love that I spoke about. Knowing that we are loved and being able to receive it. For those of us who are parents here, the moment you see your child for the first time is totally unforgettable. And the love you feel for that child is indescribable. And this is the analogy that God uses of his love for us. We are his children, and the love he has for us is greater than that which any parent has for their child. He just wants us to know his love, to experience it, and to accept it. He wants us to know that we're important to him, that he gives us his full attention, and that he listens to us and he hears us. And believe me, this is a love like no other you will have ever experienced. A love which is so pure, so deep, so affirming and so faithful that when you truly know it, you can't help but return it with everything you have, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I have a 
a book here, which is I really recommend by Simon Gibo called Choose Life. And in there, this is what he says. I'm convinced that the single big enormous truth that we find so hard to grasp and so often skip over is essentially quite simple. God loves you completely. And it doesn't depend on your performance, your holiness, or your circumstances. Now, you know that thing people do with a daisy? He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. He says, to what extent does your concept of God's love for you depend on your circumstances? You get a parking space, yay, he loves me. You get ill, he loves me not. The sun shines for a picnic, he loves me. It rains on your walk to church and you get soaked, he loves me not. And what about your actions? You share your faith. Oh, yeah, he loves me. You lose your temper. He loves me not. You give money away. He loves me, etc., etc. Well, with God, there is only one thing to say with each pluck of that daisy petal. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And when we fully understand that we are loved by God, then we can choose to take the next step in that perfect circle of love, returning the love shown to us. Just like a child learns from the way love is modeled to them by their parent or caregiver, what if we use the way God loves us to guide us in what it means for us to love him? What if loving God with all our hearts, souls, and minds were to mean giving personal attention to what is important to God, to listening to him? What if we accept God's love for us and allow his Holy Spirit to fill us? The greatest way we can be faithful to God's commands is to love him. Now, moving on to the second part of Jesus' answer to that question, we can see how loving God then leads us to love others. God knows that how we treat others reflects the relationship we have with him. Loving our neighbors as we love ourselves is at the heart of what God wants. That's why we're here. That's what he intended when he created this world, a world in which we receive and trust his love, and then we share that with each other. But who are our neighbors? Well, during that first lockdown in COVID, which seems an age away, we started a little WhatsApp group in our street, And I'm pretty ashamed to say that apart from our immediate neighbours, we didn't really know many of the people in our road, and we lived there for nearly 30 years. But through this little WhatsApp group, we started to get to know our neighbours. We began to learn who was vulnerable and unwell, who needed help with shopping, who was living alone, who was fearful... And we also learned who had particular skills and talents. So we now know that amongst our neighbours we have an electrician, an anaesthetist, a teacher, a finance director and even a sommelier. So we started to build community and to respond to each other's needs. And that continues to this day. Now Jesus answered that question about who is our neighbour by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this parable clearly demonstrates that our neighbor is anyone we encounter, irrespective of nationality, class, color, religion, or lifestyle. Jesus loved first, always. But how easy is it to love our neighbor? Well, those we like, those we enjoy spending time with, 
those who share our interests or opinions, those who give our egos a bit of a boost, well, it's not hard to love them, is it? But what about the mean ones, the ones whose opinions make us angry or upset, those with addictions, those whose lifestyles make us just a bit uncomfortable, those who make fun of us, or those who nail us to a tree? What about them? How do we love them readily, entirely, and wholeheartedly? Even when we know what God, this is what God wants us to do, and even when we know just how much we ourselves are loved by God, this is quite a tall order. The only way we can possibly succeed in loving others as ourselves is by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, fueled by our complete and utter trust in and submission to God. It's only through having the Holy Spirit in us that we can even hope to love the way God wants us to. So there we have the final segment in that perfect circle of love. Knowing and accepting God's love for us leads us to love God with everything we have, to accept him as our saviour and be filled with the Holy Spirit, which in turn leads us and equips us to share God's love with everyone we encounter. At the end of this passage, Jesus goes on to declare that everything else in all the commandments depends on these two commandments. They sum up all of the law. He flies in the face of the religious thinking of the time and flips it on its head, declaring that what God calls us to do is actually very simple. We are called to love God and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's it. Jesus firmly and clearly declares that life is not about rules. It's about loving relationships. So to finish, let's not forget that most crucial step in the process is that first one, knowing that you are loved by God. And I'm just going to read to you a very short bit from this book written by a good friend, by Ed, and it's Ed's wife, Michelle, who's coming to speak at the Women's Breakfast. I really encourage you to come. This was a reading this week from his book, which says, Speaking at a conference in America, well-known author and Christian speaker Brennan Manning said this, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus is going to ask each of us one question, And only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? How do we grasp this amazing truth and let it affect the way we live? Do we really believe this truth and allow our lives to flourish knowing that we are loved? We have a heart that is created to love, but we must allow our heart to receive this free and unconditional love each day. It's what we were created for. And how do we know this? Well, let's go back to my favorite assembly banger. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen.